It's December 13th. It's a snowy Tuesday afternoon here in American Fork, Utah. As you may have noticed, we're, at, we're without our fearless leader today, Leo Cannell. He's, I believe, flying home from Las Vegas. He went out to work an event for us here, but we've got our business partner, Nate, that's going to join us today. Nate's got a lot of awesome, awesome insight. He's a funding expert. We're excited to tap into Nate's knowledge. So we're going we're gonna to dive into things here today. Starting off with our transcendent topic, we're going to discuss U.S. scientists have a breakthrough in nuclear fusion energy. Pretty exciting stuff there. Nate, lead us into our money topic. So money today, um, we're going to talk about a situation with uh, fully electric vehicles. There is a situation that a guy took a full year, multiple calls, an angry tweet uh, to a uh, Ford's CEO, actually, before he was actually able to get his all-electric Ford pickup. So we're going to talk a little bit about that, supply chain issues, and how that uh, relates to the pandemic. Awesome. Awesome. As far as the sports section goes, we've got a lot to unpack there this week. Um, sad news, we, we learned about the passing of, of Mike Leach, a fantastic coach. We're going to talk about, the, of course, the NFL, but not to be confused with the NFR, NFR um, which was a new thing to me. So we're going to break down the NFR, the NFL, Baker, his am amazing move, and, and a lot of exciting things there today. The mindset piece, Nate? Mindset, we're going to talk about how growth mindset can lead to success. Awesome. And then we're going to wrap things up here. I guess, you know, we're going to two more topics. We've got our family piece, and we're going to talk about how to survive the holiday season as a newlywed. I remember that. It was tricky. That's, a, that's an important topic right there. And then the uh, the freedom section. We're gonna. That's where we're actually going to wrap things up. I'm sorry I said that prematurely there. But uh, we'll wrap things up with the freedom section. We're going to talk about American workers and their need for freedom, not more government. Very interesting article there. Welcome to the Go Figure podcast created for parents and business owners who want to get their money right. My name's Leo Cannell. As a husband and father of five, I've been fortunate to create two eight-figure businesses in the fintech space. This podcast will share the values, principles, strategies, tools, and tactics that have helped us to build a fintech empire and provide an epic life for our family. Having been a parent and entrepreneur for 20 years, there's a lot I don't know. There's been a lot of failure. The good news is together, we'll find solutions to creating an epic life powered by a business that we love. To dive into this, like we said, our first topic here, the transcendent topic, U.S. scientists make breakthrough in nuclear fusion energy. Okay, so Nate, I mean, this, this is something that when we brought up, I honestly, I had to do some research on. I didn't know a lot about nuclear fusion and nuclear energy, but it's yeah. something you had a lot of knowledge about. Tell us a little bit about, you know, that, that story you were telling me about Texas and nuclear energy and how important this actually is. Yeah, well, surprisingly, nuclear energy is not a, a new topic, right? It, it's something where nuclear power plants and being able to have clean, more efficient energy has been a process for almost 100 years. But there have been some recent breakthroughs. Um, and so, yeah, I and mean, kind of the big thing in this article is some scientists out of California were able to have nuclear fusion that actually produced more energy than it consumed. And so I think regardless of your political party or, or your stance as a United States citizen, I think most everyone agrees that nuclear energy, if it's possible, is going to be the way of the future from a, an energy standpoint. And so, um, yeah, we just talked a little bit about um, some of the other alternatives uh, to coal, right, which is still the number one energy producer in America. And in China as well is actually causing a huge emissions problem. So um, we've got Texas, who has heavily adopted the wind farms and the solar farms, which has been fantastic. But um, my parents actually lived in Texas for a while. And about once per year, once every other year, they have a huge freeze um, where there's inches and inches of ice. Um, and what that does is it leaves tens of thousands of Texas residents without power because the solar panels have ice on them. The windmills are frozen. 
And so although it is a good natural uh, alternative to energy, I personally don't believe um, it is what will replace coal. And so the nuclear energy is much more clean, and there is an exciting breakthrough which can uh, help the U.S. lead in this revolution for nuclear energy. Yeah, and that was my understanding. The huge take from this is that it's finally something that the that America, the, the United States of America, has the upper hand at now at this point. Um, it sounds like from a pure energy output standpoint, Europe, um, I, I think it was the U.K., I don't remember exactly who it was, but they had... They're leaps and bounds beyond us when it comes to energy production, but the important factor here that we're looking at is the net gain. And so uh, obviously they're creating a ton of energy, but they're expending just as much energy to create that energy. And so the fact that we were able to do this and create a net gain is huge. They do say that it is still a long, long, long time before we see something like this impacting our grid. Um, But what it says, a quote from this article here is, If we can advance fusion energy, we could use it to produce clean electricity, transportation fuels, power, heavy industry, and so much more. So my question for you, Nate, is obviously this is something dating back to the first real production of this nuclear energy, I think it said was in in the 70s. Do you think we'll see it in our lifetime where nuclear energy is used on the grid? It's used to power vehicles that we drive on a daily basis will that happen in our lifetime that's a good question and i i think it will i think there'll be nuclear power plants that are the main source of power and energy for different municipalities or uh, large industries um but for it to completely wipe the grid and become the number one power source i think coal is still going to be the number one option for hundreds of years so i don't think we'll see coal completely be replaced by nuclear energy in our lifetime yeah it'll be interesting to see because nate you're you're 29 i'm 30 right it's in our lifetime when we were eight nine ten years old we probably never would have imagined solar panels being on residential homes and powering homes like literally i have solar on one of my properties and couldn't tell you the last time i paid a power bill on that property so i mean it's it's interesting if you get the right group the right team the right technology behind it how quickly things like this can advance but obviously solar panels and nuclear energy are very very different so it'll be let let us know in the comments if you think that nuclear energy is something that we will within our lifetime see and utilize from a daily on a daily basis in the grid with your vehicles with your power being literally coming from nuclear energy. I want to know what you think as an audience. I personally don't think it'll happen in our lifetime, but I hope I'm wrong. So we'll see. The hard thing with that, just one more thing before we move on, is these coal power plants really aren't given any true incentive to reduce carbon emission, right? And so carbon emission, pollution, um, all of that is a huge topic um, right now as far as a movement for cleaner energy, cleaner atmosphere, cleaner air, but the the main emission um, producing industries are going to be those in the coal power plants, right? And so they're not given really any incentive or drive to reduce emissions. And so that's where, I mean, coal has become the number one player for centuries. Yeah, I mean, I I totally believe a massive, massive breakthrough like this is the only thing that can change the world. I mean, we can recycle all we want. We can get all the electrical cars that we want in the United States of America. But unless we get China and, and India on board, it's it makes you sleep better at night. But we're not really doing anything like yeah. that. It's literally not going to make a difference. But if we have a breakthrough like this, that's what can actually make a difference. So it's very, very exciting news to to receive here. So that is our transcendent topic moving on for the sake of time our our money topic money 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 that's that's what we do here at seven figures funding and the go figure podcast um so the article that we want to talk about here it says it took a full year multiple calls to the dealership and an angry tr- an angry tweet at ford ceo to finally get my all electrical all electric pickup truck delivered wow Okay, I read that article. Very interesting article. I, I will tell you this. I think the purpose of that article was kind of to push electric vehicles, which 
great, fantastic. We kind of just talked about that a little bit. But my personal take from this is something that I've experienced quite a bit throughout the pandemic. And I don't want to say total post-pandemic, but where a lot of businesses and and people are kind of coming out of that, getting more back to their pre-pandemic life. It seems like the pandemic is still a massive, massive scapegoat for a lack of service. Absolutely. And a lack of accountability. Have you noticed that? Oh, yeah. I mean, in our industry, we talk with so many entrepreneurs, small business owners, and anyone that deals with inventory or services or especially overseas. I mean, how many times have we heard the phrase supply chain issue, right? And so that's almost become the main go-to, right? Whether it's, I mean, for example, my wife and I are brand new Kias in the shop, right? And it was in the shop. It needed a new part. But this part took four months to get to the dealership, right? So our car was basically not usable. And when we called in month after month after month trying to get an update, and really the only thing we got was supply chain issues, right? Just waiting on a part. And so I am, I, I know that is a real uh, dilemma right now, but I, I do believe it's become kind of a scapegoat for um, efficient, quick service. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I almost think that it's causing a laziness, like, Literally, I'm, I'm seeing this a lot in the service industry. I'm seeing this with a lot of the the waiters and the waitresses. And, and granted, it, it was a very, very tough time. I'm not going to deny that. And they had to make a lot of changes and deal with a lot of angry people. But I feel like post-pandemic, they're not shifting that service industry back. They think, you know what, I get my 20% tip no matter what. Why am I going to go the extra mile? And I've seen a huge decline in service since the pandemic. And it's, it's interesting to, to see. And I wonder if it's going to go back to the way it was. It's almost this attitude of no one's willing to be a waiter or waitress right now. I don't need to go the extra mile. They won't fire me because they can't hire anyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's getting out of hand. I, I hope that business owners will start to hold their employees accountable. And, you know, it's, it's getting to the point where Maybe you do have a supply chain issue, but instead of saying, oh, it's the pandemic, maybe it's time to take some accountability. And if you're not ready to move these vehicles, don't sell them. Yep. Right. It's 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 starting to tick me off. In fact, we have a I showed Nate a picture. Uh, We bought these nice new leather couches and we were really excited about them. And my wife and I were not bougie people. We're not super high maintenance people. And these these couches show up and one of them is like a dark brown leather. Yeah. And the other one is called mocha. It's like literally almost orange, but very, very, very light brown. And so we don't think anything of it. We're like, oh, they sent us two of the wrong couches. We'll just hit them up and, and have them send us the correct one. And little did we know, it's, that's not going to happen. We're going back and forth. It's a Wayfair-owned company like Jossen and Maine or something, I think is what it's called. And, and we're going back and forth, back and forth. And they're final conclusion is you know what here's a couple hundred dollars back it's close enough of a variant like i wish i had this photo to show you all i i am like i said we're not high maintenance we're not bougie i am embarrassed for people to see this in our living room yeah when you showed me the photo i didn't even think they were the same couch or type of couch the the weather's completely different so yeah it's it's bad and so i guess we're just uh all right yeah I'll, i'll i'll send that to john once once we uh once Nate gets talking about the NFR here in a minute, I'll send you that photo and we can pull it up because it's bad. And we're ultimately just out a few thousand dollars on this love seat. And hopefully we can find a match for the other one. But the fact of the matter is that there's no accountability and it takes a day to get a single response. It's like if you're not properly staffed, then throttle back on your sales to where you can actually provide the service you need because it was upsetting. Um, so you business owners out there, my suggestion is take the accountability, scale your business to the amount that you can staff your business and provide top-notch service because that's what's going to keep you in business for the long haul. I can, I'm not going to do it right now, but I can probably name at least five different businesses that I'll never work with or use again because of poor service throughout the pandemic. That being said, let's shift gears here a little bit. Let's dive into our sports section. Um, we're going to do it a little bit differently. I know we typically really focus on the NFL, but we did just have some sad news this morning of, of Mike Leach passing away. Mike Leach was a friend of mine's uncle, actually. So oh, wow. 
I've always followed him pretty closely and, and enjoyed his wild comments and, and funny interviews. But a few, uh, Nate, if you want to go ahead and, and give the audience here some of Mike Leach's accolades and successes. Yeah, so 2008, he was actually the Big 12 Coach of the Year. Uh, and in 2015 and 2018, he was the Pac-12 Coach of the Year. So that's three Coach of the Year awards for Mike Leach. He, let's see here, he's an ample part of uh, Cliff Kingsbury and Lincoln Riley's success. Yeah, Cliff Kingsbury and, and Lincoln Riley are two phenomenal coaches. One's coaching in the NFL okay. for the Cardinals. The other is now the head coach of USC. And it was a huge part of, of the new recruiting and the current Heisman Trophy winner over there. And Cliff Kingsbury actually played for him. He, Mike Leach was a, a huge, huge part of his success as a quarterback. Yeah, I didn't even know that. I, I did know that he coached at Texas Tech, and so he did have 10 consecutive winning seasons at Texas Tech. Um, he coached um, three Sammy Baugh trophy winners. Like, that's the, the best quarterback in college football award. Wow. And his quarterbacks were constantly just shattering passing records. Like, his time at Washington State was was crazy. He, he coached Gardner Minshew, mustache mania. So he was a, a huge part of Gardner Minshew's success, and – you know, all-time winningest coach in Texas Tech football history. So um, shout-out to Mike Leach. Rest in peace. Our condolences go to his family and uh, hope that his, his team can get back on track with, without him there. Um, but that's our, our Mike Leach piece, our college piece. Shifting gears, we're going to get into the NFL. Um, how about Baker Mayfield? Yeah, I mean, that guy has had a heck of a season with ups and downs and being – traded yeah or picked up basically after being let go and just two days before game day and then coming out and doing what he did against the Raiders is phenomenal I was extremely impressed with his performance yeah for for those of you that don't follow the NFL religiously Baker Mayfield um Oklahoma quarterback Heisman winner number one overall pick a few years back did okay in Cleveland. The, the Browns picked him up number one overall did okay but I think Cleveland reached the point like we've got a great roster we're never going to win a Super Bowl with this guy. They go out and they sign Deshaun Watson, which in turn, earlier this year, they sent Baker off to the Carolina Panthers. Baker had some pretty mediocre to poor numbers, some, some injuries with the Panthers. And so um, as a way of saving money, opening up another roster spot, the Panthers ultimately on Monday just cut Baker. They didn't trade him. We're past the trade deadline, so they just released him. And Tuesday... The L.A. Rams, who are dealing with the loss of Matt Stafford, really, really need a quarterback. And so Tuesday, the Rams say, you know what? We've got a game on Thursday. They were the Thursday night football game. We're going to go ahead and sign Baker. Probably won't play this week. He's got to learn the playbook. He got one practice in. He was wow. able to practice and meet the players and meet the coaches on, on Wednesday. And then Thursday night, um, Wa Wofford, I think, is the third string who was playing for Stafford. He goes in, has a couple possessions, and he's just – it's very clear he's not going to get them a win. He's not a great backup quarterback. So they say, you know what, the hell with it. What do we have to lose? We've got Baker Mayfield. Let's throw him in and see what happens. And Baker plays pretty good. Like, he's yeah. he's making really good clean passes. He's moving the ball. Um, the, the other teams having to respect the pass game a little bit, which opened up Cam Akers to get some runs. And with less than, I think it was less than two minutes, the Raiders are kind of driving down, and then they end up punting. And they punt the ball, and they down it on the two-yard line. And Matt Collins is like doing, is it called the giddy? Or the gritty? What is it? John, you would know. You're gritty. The gritty. The, gritty. Not the giddy. <laughs> the gritty. I'm aging myself here. Um like giddy? Gritty. Gritty. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. So Matt Collins is doing the gritty, celebrating the win. Like they've got the ball no time on their own two yard line, which ESPN would give them a 99% chance of winning the game. And Nate, what happens? Well, Baker led basically the Rams 98 yards. Yeah. And they, they scored and won the game. So super impressive. He had some frankly, crazy passes that he had just a small box he could throw the ball to, and he, he hit it with precision. Yeah, and he was trusting these receivers who some of them he met the day before. They didn't have Cooper Cup. They beat a Raiders team who was on quite the winning streak. Like, 
People were talking about how the Raiders might make it back into the playoffs, which I thought was asinine all along. But a lot of people thought they might make it all the way back into the playoffs, and they ended their streak. And it was a massive win for Baker, but he needs to quit headbutting people with his helmet off. Have you seen that? Like, what is he trying to prove? No, he. I, I saw some replays of him. He headbutted like three or four players with no helmet on, and he was hitting them hard. So, yeah, yeah. I, I'm surprised he wasn't sent to the tent for concussion <laughs> protocol after that. Yeah, no kidding. Didn't we learn anything from Tua? Um, oh, John. What do you? Uh, well, Jada said, uh, "Can we get a segment next week of Tiger and the Gritty?" Oh man, I'm. <laughs> I yeah. If the, if the if that's what the people want, I'll I'll gritty for everyone. <laughs> I'll giddy, actually. That's my new, that's my move, the giddy. Hey, just Uh, talking about this, too, before we move on, we've seen this this year already with Christian McCaffrey, right, when he was traded to the Niners, but I think he had like a week, right, to prepare, learn the offense, and he performed phenomenal, but I think in a quarterback position, it's, I mean, he had one practice, and, I mean, NFL offensive playbooks are pretty complex, right, from team to team, so the fact that he was able to pull this off with just one day of practice and probably an all-nighter before studying the playbook. Um, super impressive for a quarterback to pull that off. Yeah, I mean, they had to totally dumb down that playbook while he was in there. As obviously, I was a high school quarterback, so nowhere near the type of complex playbooks the NFL players are dealing with. But my guess is they they broke that down all the way to literally like there's an X-back, a Y-back, an H-back, and it's a passing tree route. Like, they probably reverted back to the passing tree. In some unique situations, they probably threw in some motions and some wheels and whatnot, but I bet they went all the way back to a passing tree and a straight-up running back this whole type playbook. Like, they probably had to simplify that thing like crazy. So it was very impressive for him to step in and do that. But Baker, you're not proving anything by headbutting people with your helmet off. It just makes you look (laughs) silly, like... Knock it off, dude. You're going to get hurt. Um, Moving on, though, that's enough. Baker hasn't done a whole lot of good this year, so we'll give him some accolades for that final drive, but I'm not going to give him too much more attention because he has been very unimpressive um, other than that drive. So that being said, uh, a quick little recap with the NFL here overall. We had the Chiefs, the Bills, the Cowboys, and the Ravens barely – escaping upsets I, I mean the Chiefs and the Bills yeah they escaped it, it wasn't barely the Cowboys and the Ravens literally barely barely survived the Cowboys were playing the worst team in the NFL yeah in the Texans it's an interstate rivalry there I guess but same thing I, I think Dak had to go 97 or 98 yards with very little time left and you know I, I was getting a lot of hate for putting the Cowboys number one in my last week's power rankings but that right there for a lot of people they may look at that as what are you thinking putting them number one they almost lost to the Texans but that right there shows that they are a winning team that they with their backs against the wall were able to go 97 yards and score a touchdown to to get the win yeah it's unfortunate the Cowboys game we went to earlier wasn't uh, that eventful (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was those how about those Cowboy fans like literally Dak Prescott's playing a bad game, no doubt about it. But it was like the second quarter. He breaks his thumb. He's going off to the locker room to uh, to get x-rays. And what were the fans doing? They literally, Some of them took their, their Prescott jerseys off and were throwing them at him. I, I bet he got hit with two or three things of popcorn. And like yeah. the entire state, AT&T was basically booing their most tenured quarterback um, <laughs> as he's exiting the field with a broken thumb. It's, so it's I, second I was quarter of away. week one. Like, yeah. literally, the season started one and a half quarters ago, and they're booing this guy and taking off their $150 jerseys and throwing them at him. Like, yeah. you think they wish they had those back now? And, and those, I mean, Cowboys fans are known for their loyalty, so definitely not loyal to the player, just just the team. So yeah, What do they want? Bring back Romo? <laughs> like me a break so those teams survive still fully in in playoff contention uh chiefs bills cowboys ravens uh teams taking bad upset losses we had the dolphins broke my heart we had the vikings we had the titans and we had the seahawks um of those four teams i realistically i'm ready to write off the titans and the seahawks the seahawks very impressive team 
phenomenal rookies. They just don't quite have the depth and the skills to the skill set to make it into the playoffs or to go very deep into the playoffs. Titans just look defeated. Um, I hate to say it because I love Ryan Tannehill. I loved that guy when he was with the Dolphins. I got to meet him. He was a very, very good dude, great guy to talk with. But I don't think Tannehill's ever getting you past the first round in the NFL. Um, Vikings, I think, had a big wake-up call. The Lions have been playing really, really good, and the Vikings didn't rise up to the occasion. So, And what are the Vikings, 9-4? and four? They are. So I, on I, paper, they, they look like they're a contender, right? Yeah. Like they're, I mean, barely, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like they're barely scraping by, right? They're, they're barely winning their game, so they, they have a pretty good winning record this season, but um, not looking too good for the playoffs. Yeah, they're a very, very emotional team. Like, when they're on, they're on. When they're off, they're horrendous. But they, they do have the skill set. They have the right players, the role players, to where the Vikings could, if they get hot, seriously make, make a run in the playoffs. But Kirk Cousins needs to to step up and um i mean they've got one of the best running backs two of the best receivers a a good defensive secondary like they they could make a splash the dolphins john i think you have a photo that we need to show everyone here today here this is how i feel about the dolphins (laughs) i came into the podcast room today and we i don't i guess we don't have we had a jalen waddle jersey mounted on the wall and I came into the podcast room today, and it was laying flat on its back with shattered glass all over it, and it was just pitiful. And that's how I feel about the Dolphins. It's like, what happened on the bye week? What What did you guys go do? Because it ruined you. Yeah. It's it's sad. It's You had Tua as one of the top quarterbacks for this year. And, I mean, if you look at his stats for the last three games. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's one of the lowest-performing quarterbacks right now in the NFL. It's breaking my heart because I love that guy. Tua, I considered naming my son Tua, <laughs> and I put myself out there, Tua. I put you on my N- MVP contender list. And at the time, statistically, he was an MVP candidate. But I, I want to say during the, the Chargers game, it was the primetime game, so even more embarrassing. There was a point he was like three for – 14 or 3 for 15, like 3 for some very high number, which was just so bad because he, going into that, was one of the highest QB ratings in the NFL. Like our first touchdown of the game, our best play of the game, Jeff Wilson gets the ball. He's running up the middle, fumbles. Our guy tries to pick it up, slaps it out. Tyreek Hill picks it up, goes around the end, and, and scores a touchdown. It was like a fumble ruski, and that was the best offensive production we could get all day. Yeah. And that's without Bosa. That's without Derwin James. Like The best players on the Chargers defense weren't even playing. So the Dolphins have some things to figure out. But Which is sad because, I mean, you look at the top receivers and running backs, they have the skill set to be a Super Bowl contender. They do. They just had a rough few weeks. I went and signed Eric Fisher. They're making the moves they need to make to be a contender. And it, it, it we're going to find out real quick. They have the Bills, um, which is a toss-up. As a betting man, I'm going to put that the Bills are probably going to beat the Dolphins. And then we wrap up with the Jets and the Patriots, which both of those should 100% be wins. And if they're not, they don't deserve to go to the playoffs anyways. Agreed. All right. A couple more things with the NFL. The Bucks. Tom Brady, the greatest NFL player not even, in my opinion, NFL player, in my opinion, the greatest professional athlete of all time, got just embarrassed by the 49ers, um, which the 49ers are good, but I think that just goes to show where the Bucks actually stand as a team. Nate, do you think, are the Bucks done? Tom Brady's got a lot going on off the field, right? And so definitely, I, I don't think this is his last year, but for this season, I, th- I think the yeah, you, you know what's crazy is that NFC South is just so bad. Like, Bucks you've got, are number one, right? They, they, still, they still are. But what's even crazier is because of the Carolina Panthers win, like the Panthers literally still could make the playoffs, and they are really bad. The, the Saints, technically, I believe, could still make the playoffs. Like that, the, the Falcons, that division is one of the worst that we've seen in a long time. Yeah. Um, so technically, the Bucks still are in content- contention. 
They still could make the playoffs. I personally don't think they'll make the playoffs, but if they do, it's going to be a first-round exit. I, I don't think Tom has the tools that he needs or the defense that he's had in the past years, the Super Bowl year with the Bucks, He just doesn't have that anymore. He needs Gronk to come out of retirement if he wants any sort of chance of going yeah. anywhere this season. Um, and then wrapping it up here, the the Eagles just absolutely dismantled the Giants. Like, the score looked better than it was, and even the score, they absolutely blew them out. The What do you think about the Eagles? I actually didn't watch that game, but the Eagles are looking phenomenal this year. I mean, their offense has been super explosive, and they, aren't they number one in their in their division? Oh, yeah, they're, they're the best record in the NFL, actually. 11-3. and three. They only have one loss. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, Eagles are – you don't really hear too much about the Eagles. I mean, but from what I see in the highlights and everything, they're kind of a, a low-key dominator right now. Yeah, you're starting to hear a lot more about Jalen Hurts. And yeah. What, what's great is they're – a lot of the attention they are getting is just these team-building situations. Like, if, if you haven't looked this up, you should. The uh, Jason Kelsey, who's Travis Kelsey's brother, he's the starting center for the Eagles, and him and a couple other guys on the O-line put together a Christmas album. Like, they literally sang Christmas songs. They went to a, a recording studio, and they performed these Christmas songs, and they're actually pretty good. It, it's pretty funny. Like, look up Eagles Offensive Line Christmas album, and I think you'll enjoy it. It's, it's funny, and it's actually not bad. Um, so here's the, uh, the moment we've all been waiting for, the uh, top five that tends to get a lot of hate and sometimes love. So just so everyone knows, I'm going to give you ESPN's power rankings first. So you can't just hate on me. Here's ESPN's. Number one in the NFL, they have the Eagles. Number two, they have the Chiefs. Number three, they have the Bills. Number four, they have the Cowboys. And number five, they have the San Francisco 49ers. Can't say I disagree with all of that, but I am going to mix a few things up here. So for the go figure, top five power rankings NFL heading into to week 15, it's crunch time. With the number one spot, Finally, I think you've uh, you've earned this. You deserve this. I'm going to go with the Eagles. So all of you haters can uh, can finally have your, your moment of, of fame here. I still think <laughs> that you're going to lose to the Cowboys. I think it's not this week but next. But for now, we're going Eagles number one. Okay. Okay. Coming in at the number two spot, I'm going to mix this up quite a bit from ESPN. I'm going with the Cincinnati Bengals. Right. Yeah, I was surprised that ESPN didn't have them in the top five. I mean, Joe Burrow, they just beat, was it the Chiefs? Yeah. And, and so, I mean, Third they time in definitely a row. are going to be a contender, and I was surprised that they weren't ranked yeah. in the top five. Absolutely. Joe Burrow's a gamer. He's clutch. He deserves that number two spot. Joe Mixon's getting healthy. I think the Bengals are one of those playoff team force to reckon with. They just handled their their uh, rivalry Pittsburgh Steelers last week so Cincinnati's hot so we've got number one the Eagles number two Cincinnati number three we're going with the Dallas Cowboys they showed a lot of grit they showed that they can get the job done maybe they got a little lackadaisical they didn't take the Texans serious but they came down and they, they did what they had to do to get the win they are meshing they just signed T.Y. Hilton OBJ may be heading that way so I, I think the Dallas Cowboys are number three at number four I'm going to go ahead and put the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, similar situation to Joe Burrow. You, you don't bet against Pat Mahomes. You don't bet against Andy Reid. I'd like to see their defense figure some things out. It was wild how close they let that get with with the Broncos. But, yeah. again, they came out on top. They found a way to get the win. So we'll, we'll put them in that four spot. And then at number five, I'm going to go ahead and keep the Bills there. I still... I don't, I don't want to believe in the Bills because I can't stand the Bills. I, I hate those uh, lifetime table-smashing fans that just are annoying about their Bills mafia. But uh, they are good. Josh Allen's a gamer. They're very banged up. I don't think they're going to have what it takes to win a big game down the road. But I think they will go at least to the second round of, of the NFL playoffs. So there's the top five. Uh, just to recap, we've got the Eagles, we've got the Bengals, we've got the Cowboys, we've got the Chiefs, and we've got the Buffalo Bills. Ty, let me ask you this. So 49ers, 
ESPN has them at number five. My wife's a huge 49ers fan. They got McCaffrey. They're on a six-game winning streak. Purdy's performing, right, having a pretty stellar one or two games. There's tons of energy there with their winning streak. Do you think that they are could potentially be a top five? In, in oh man, that, that's tough. They or do it, they just have a lot of energy right now? And when it comes time for playoffs, are they are they yeah. gonna choke? Here's my take on this. A lot of times you see rookies come in um, and backup quarterbacks come in and they ball out because they're out there. They're just having fun. They're trusting this, the system. They're trusting their coach. Their coach is calling a very very simplified condensed game for him. Brock Purdy's played two games at home, so we haven't seen Brock Purdy on the road yet. I think that we're going to see the real Mr. Irrelevant, the true Brock Purdy, a lot of rookie mistakes. I I think we're going to see a lot of that coming up on his first few road games. Debo Samuel's also likely out the remainder of the regular season. They may get him back for the playoffs, but, I mean, when you're a quarterback just doing a lot of dink and dunk to Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, that helps a lot. I think I'd like to put the Niners up there. I, I, I like Fred Warner. I like a lot of players on the Niners, but... I just don't think you're going deep into the playoffs with Brock Purdy. I think they make the playoffs and have a first-round exit. Okay. That's my take on it. So that's the NFL section today. I know we had a lot to cover there. It's, it's getting into the prime time of the NFL season, so it's getting very exciting. But let's go ahead and shift gears and get into our mindset piece. So the, the topic of this conversation today with mindset is how growth mindset can lead to success. And this was a a very interesting article that we found with BBC. Um, And Steve Jobs, one of the quotes that he puts out at the very start of this article, a quote that they share is, the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking, don't settle. What do you think about that? Do you you agree with that quote there? I do, yeah. Yeah. From a success standpoint, it's really hard. I mean, a lot of the success starts in your subconscious, right? I mean, you're 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 making goals, you're desiring to be successful. But if and I've felt this personally, if if you're in a job or working with a company or just doing something in an industry you're not passionate about, you don't find true fulfillment out of. um, I mean, there there are those high performers that are still going to be successful and see success, but. I feel true success uh, can only happen within something that you love and are passionate about. Yeah, I, I totally agree. The, the one thing that this did talk a lot about, though, that was kind of interesting was sometimes people get to a job and because they haven't found their passion in that job one month in, they're like, this isn't for me. And they just bounce when in all reality, they're not truly putting their themselves out there. They're not truly learning their role. They're not working on their mind just in general. And someone like that is never, ever going to find their passion because you have to give it a fair shot and your mind has to be in the right place to actually get there. Um, and, and so the, what, what this talks about, it says people tend to see their abilities as fixed. You either have an inherent talent for something or you don't. Meanwhile, others have a growth mindset. They believe that your abilities can change over time. And I think that's the key right there is developing that growth mindset Because people with the growth mindset, they maintain their interest in difficult topics, um, wanting to know more despite the difficulties of grasping technical material. And so learning, and and that's what they talk about, can the growth mindset be learned? I 100% think so. I, I think it's something that as humans we can work towards, we can develop that growth mindset, and that's the only way to truly find passion in what you're doing. What Do you agree with that or what do you think? Uh, Just a few things to add to that. Um, I think having a growth mindset is completely getting rid of the scarcity mindset, right? A lot of people in business, especially in our industry, are are going to think that if so-and-so or this company is killing it and growing, that means we don't have that same opportunity, right? And and they see a much smaller pie. And so I, I think adopting that growth mindset, one of the first steps should be to completely get rid of the scarcity mindset, thinking that, there, there's a scarcity of, of opportunities um, for success and, and getting rid of that completely because there's, there's plenty to go around. Yeah, I, I think the biggest factors with this as a person to, to help you develop that growth mindset, there's two things. Number one, 
be impeccable about your accountability. Do what you say you're going to do no matter what so that you can gain the trust of your colleagues and the trust of your management teams. And then number two, be coachable. Uh, that, that's something that Nate, I would say, is really, really good at. Nate is extremely coachable. Funny story, um, Nate, when we started working together, what was that, like six years ago now? Yeah. Five, six years ago. 17, 18. Yeah. So Nate, um, Nate had been working a job for quite some time doing customer support, customer service, bilingual, doing a lot of stuff in Spanish. He speaks phenomenal Spanish. But I was introduced to Nate by another colleague, another friend, and this friend said, you know what, Nate could be really, really good at sales if you just worked with him. And Nate comes into the office. At this point, we were like the upstairs of a plumbing supply company, like this little crappy office. We didn't have space for anyone. Six of us were making phone calls in a conference room. And so Nate comes in for training. And I, at this point, I had no time whatsoever. So I give Nate a script. I tell him to go sit in, in this closet. It was like a mop closet. It was like a mop closet. Yeah, yeah. They, it literally was. And I just say, hey, call this client and read the script. And so Nate goes and does it. He goes into the closet. And I'll tell you, what, I remember vividly, like it was yesterday, I go and I open the mop closet. And I it looked like you were sitting, like you gave me that look like I just walked in on you sitting on the john. Like it was so out of your comfort zone, but you were coachable and willing to do it. And Nate's climbed all the way. He's now one of our, our partners. He's an equity partner here at Seven Figures. And I would say a lot of that comes down to just being coachable and open-minded. Um, so that, that's our advice on the mindset piece. Be coachable, be open-minded, and be impeccable about your accountability. Um, running low on time here, but we definitely want to talk about this, this fun topic. It's uh, how to survive your first holiday season as newlyweds. Um, whether that's your first time being married or a second marriage, it obviously has some complications. So the main issue looming over the, the topic here, they talk about a, a newlywed couple, Erica and Aaron Weiss. This, so the, the main issue looming over Erica and Aaron Weiss this holiday season, whether to hide or bear, whether to hide a bear or a pickle ornament on their Christmas tree. And so these were obviously someone, one of their families always hid this bear. One of them always hid a pickle on their Christmas tree. And so they're, they're dealing with having to mesh their Christmases and their, uh, the different things they did as children. Nate, what, uh, do you have any funny stories or examples of Christmases and holiday season with, with your wife when you first got married? Uh, yeah, it was hard. I, I'm a big traditions guy. Um, Growing up, we have tons of different uh, holiday traditions, especially Christmas Eve, Christmas, and likewise, my wife had some with her family. And so um, a funny story, j just one of many probably, is going to be the presents, right? And so um, they never put presents under their tree. They'd wrap them up, set them aside, and then... Christmas morning, you'd wake up and find them under the tree, right? Where in my family, almost all of December, presents are being added to the tree. You see them pile up, and then come Christmas morning, you go open them, right? And so um, that that was a, a big discussion for us, believe it or not, was we're, we're not putting presents under the tree and, until Christmas morning, which I have adopted and loved now. But, yeah, I, I think as newlyweds, um, the get-togethers, right, the family get-togethers, whether you're going with your family or with the in-laws, and that's always also a learning curve, not just with Christmas, but with all holidays. Yeah, it, there it's is a lot of give and take there. <laughs> a lot of give and take. I think some of our biggest fights very early on were tied to, like, who we're spending Christmas morning with and who we're going to see on Thanksgiving. And, and the first couple of years, like, we made the big mistake of squeezing everything in. And it was hard because I, my parents divorced when I was a lot younger, so I'm very, very, very close with my stepfather and my step-siblings. They're like real siblings to me, so I definitely don't want to miss out on being with them. But I'm also still close with my biological father. And so I had two families I had to see, and she still had her one family. And first few Thanksgivings, it was like we go to my stepdad. She has like seven or eight siblings. Right? Oh, yeah, she's got this big family. And, and they're thankfully, we only live about our families are about an hour, 20 minutes away. So I know some people have it way worse, but yeah. it's like at one o'clock, we're, we're going here at three 30. We're going here at four o'clock. We're going here. And because you're trying to squeeze so much in, you don't get any quality time. 
you don't really feel like you're eating and enjoying any meals with anyone because you're yeah. so full from the first one. It's just it sometimes less is more. And so the advice that, that they give in this article, there's four pieces of advice here. Number one, discuss your holiday plans early. Like when you're engaged, make those plans. Decide what you're going to do. Set up schedules, right? If, if it's one year on, one year off, or Christmas Eve here, Christmas Day there, determine that and have a holiday plan way before you get into that situation because the day of, nobody's going to want to give, and it's going to turn into a big argument. Agreed. So that's number one. Number two, Nate, what does that say there? To create a plan for gifting. Um, that's also a big thing, whether, whether it's gifting to you and your spouse, right? Or are you getting gifts for all the siblings and their kids? Are you getting your parents' gifts? And, and so, I mean, holiday time, especially at recently from a financial standpoint for a lot of newlyweds is probably a pretty trying time for, for finances. So having a, a plan for gifting is definitely crucial. Yeah, absolutely. That that was actually a, a problem with us because John, you don't want to, everyone doesn't know this, John, who uh, runs a lot of the tech in here is actually my brother-in-law. He's my wife's little brother. Um, but early on in our marriage, I, I was our sole source of income. Like vast 95% of our income was me. And I've always, that's like one of, I love to give gifts. That's my love language. I love giving gifts. And so with my family, um, I always wanted to give my siblings something really cool. Like they would get this awesome gift. And then on Marie's side, it was like, here's a pouch of hot chocolate. (laughs) And so it it turned into this, like, why are we giving your siblings this? And your parents were spending $200 on. And with mine, we're chipping $10 and giving my, my siblings hot chocolate powders. Like, what's going on here? And, and so that's something that, again, create a plan for gifting. We, we definitely should have sat down and discussed a budget, discussed who we're giving a gift to. If we're doing it on one side, we've got to do it on the other. But having that discussion, I think, is very, very important. Speaking of gifting, too, I mean, for us guys and husbands and fathers out there, we still have, what, 12 days till Christmas. There's plenty of time to, to figure out what we're going to buy and where to go get it. But um, one thing my wife and I have done this year is we had our entire Christmas bought for all of our kids um, by the beginning of November, and it's just been sitting in our basement wrapped, and you, you don't realize it, but the stress relief we felt this year from a gifting standpoint, just because we took care of it, our kids have their presents, they're already wrapped, we don't even have to, we haven't worried about it for the last two months, It's it's been a game changer. Yeah, I thought we did the same thing because um, we've got a we've got our son due this week, and I thought we were totally done. And magically, things keep appearing for Jack. So uh, I don't know. I guess when you're home and laying up at night, restless because you're pregnant, you just order a lot of shit on Amazon. But you got to go change uh, the Amazon password. That's a good idea. It's actually your name. Um, <laughs> I need to fix that. So yeah. So but but create a plan for gifting. Don't give your wife a scale. Don't give your wife cleaning supplies. Those I talked about this in another episode. I messed up. I thought she really wanted that that uh, cool new Dyson, and I thought she was getting into fitness, so a scale was in my head a good idea, but <laughs> don't do it. Those are two avoid-at-all-cost so items. My, my yeah. very first Christmas married, I did kind of the same thing. So I gave my wife a magnetic fridge calendar, <laughs> and I gave her a crepe maker. Wow. Crepe maker. Uh, yeah, I, I, it was a little offensive. I mean, my wife loves to cook, but getting her kitchen supplies, uh, unless it's a big gadget that she specifically asks for, I quickly learned that first year that a crepe maker and a fridge magnet are not good Christmas gifts. Yeah. Get this. I Okay, last story, and then we'll move on from the gift giving. So, again, I, I screwed up. I, I, I love to give gifts, but I suck at deciding what to give. So... My wife's birthday is February 11th, and I, I had figured out Valentine's Day, but I hadn't figured out the birthday. And I had procrastinated it, like, literally to the day. Like, it is her birthday, and I'm still just like, holy crap, what do I do? I just quickly go order, like, an Amazon gift card? Like, I had nothing. <laughs> and so we're at her parents' house having dinner with them, and my cousin Ben lives with me. And so I, I like step outside. I need to go take a call. So I step outside and I call Ben. I'm like, Hey, 
you've got, I think I said, you've got a thousand dollar budget. I don't care. Go to Best Buy, figure something out and put it on my counter. So she thinks that I just set up this surprise and Ben gets a freaking KitchenAid. Dude, we go home and there's a KitchenAid. I'm like, oh my gosh. Like, here we go again. A, a cooking supply, a cleaning supply, a scale. Like, I'm just going to stick to make her a custom calendar and those sentimental gifts because I can't buy good items. And those really are what matter. I mean, how many how many presents, especially, have you given to, to Jack, right? Or to a niece and nephew that they may be used that day and haven't touched since, right? So getting something practical, something sentimental um, that can be used immediately or um, create an experience, right? Whether it's a spa gift card or manicure or tickets to a football game, right? Those are, at least in my opinion, the gifts that have meant the most and that I've remembered the most. I mean, I don't remember the pair of shoes or the random necklace or whatever you get. And so creating experiences through gifts also can help simplify the gifting process. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's it's like we talked about on that other gifting one. Like, my favorite gift ever was this giant beach towel with my dog's face on it. Um, I remember one year my dad made me a hat rack, like, uh, with hooks, and he got all the wood and glued it, like, did all, he, he made it really, really nice, and those are the things that I remember. So um, that that would be my advice to spouses, especially husbands giving to their wives. Get Get sentimental. They can't, if you put a lot of time and effort and you created something, even if they hate it, they, they can't be mad about it. That's just wrong. So, oh, Jillian is saying they drop hints, which they do um, a lot until you need to remember them. And then it, so is I, that, is there an app for that? Like I've created a notes. I've okay. created a notes. I mean, starting January, I, my wife's birthday is December 20th. And it's our anniversary as well. So all of our gift giving kind of happens in December. And so starting January, I start, she starts dropping hints like, oh, this would be good for next Christmas. So just create a little notes in your phone, write those down. And when it comes time to buy the gifts, it's way easier. Okay. I know Marie's been wanting a hot tub. Um, Have you seen Costco? They've got those big inflatable hot tubs. What if she just rolled up to one of those in our backyard? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, that would be bad. That'd be on the podcast next year as a bad gift. So we're going to avoid that one. And then the uh, the last two advice tips on here when it comes to the holiday season, especially for newlyweds, is we kind of talked about this. Be selective about your gathering. You don't need to go to every single event every year. If you need to go one year on, one year off, that's something that we've done with Thanksgiving. With Christmas, we do uh, Christmas Eve with my family and Christmas Day with her family. So Sit down, discuss that, but but make a game plan and know you don't have to go to absolutely everything. In fact, again, I'll say it one more time, less is more when it comes to spending time. Um, so the last tip, Nate, do you want to give that one? Prioritize your own traditions. That one's huge because, I mean, as children, we hold on to those traditions because we experience them as kids, right? And they have that sentimental value. And so as a newlywed, I mean, it's in the picture sometime in the future to have kids, right, and have your own family. So being able to prioritize and create your own family traditions within your own household, and whether that be adopting a little bit of your traditions and my traditions and putting it into one or simply creating your own traditions, I, I think starting to prioritize that yeah. and creating that experience that we had as kids with, with, with our family traditions growing up, um, it's kind of like the balls in our court now to create those and provide those experiences for our kids. Yeah, exactly. I, I love, I love that because it is so important that yes, we keep the traditions that really matter. You're, there's going to be some give and take, right? I knew there was a few that I had to give up the way I like my Christmas trees and whatnot. But for me, the one that had to stick was my Christmas village will go up every single year. That was mine that was going to stick no matter what Marie has her stocking situation. So we, we each have our things that we, will not give up, but we had to be willing to give some things up. And then what I love about what you said is it is very important that you also create your own traditions with your own family, because that's what your kids are really going to love. And that's what's going to stick and and matter with them. Um, So I think traditions are very, very important. But what this all comes down to is sit down, spend 30 minutes one night and make a game plan for your holiday season so you can truly enjoy it. It's a great time of year to be with your family 
uh, share time with your loved ones, give gifts, show how much you care about them, but come up with a game plan so it's not just out of hand and out of control and causing marital issues and fights. Yep. All right, our final topic here is the freedom topic. And this came from the Wall Street Journal. The, the title of this article was America's Workers Need Freedom, Not More Government. So very, very interesting topic here. One example that they give is lawmakers in both parties demand ever-increasing subsidies for working families while ignoring how modest changes to existing reg- regulations would lower child care prices by thousands of dollars with little effect on the quality These policymakers dismiss how eliminating tariffs on food, clothes, shoes, and other household essentials would increase parents' real incomes even more. They also ignore how reforming housing, licensing, criminal justice, K-12 education, welfare, and other harmful policies would boost workers' mobility, bargaining power, and lifetime changes. So, Nate, what were your thoughts when you first saw this article? I kind of related it to parenting. Um, as Americans, freedom over government, I, I think, is priority. And if you think of raising a child, right, we saw another article in Parenting where you want to give your child the independence or the freedom or the autonomy to choose or do what they'd like or, or not, not be governed so strictly, right? And so I feel like um, it, it does correlate uh, in, into the workforce and in the country as a whole where if, if we're not being governed on every little thing and we're given a, a longer leash, uh, I think the average American will perform higher, be more, it will um, kind of promote creativity, new ideas. And uh, I, I feel like it, whenever there's strict government or strict parents that are going to be governing every little thing, that's where you see the most rebellion. Yeah, it's almost like they're just pushing so many things out just so they can feel like they, one of their initiatives was actually taken into action while they were in office. Like a lot of these things aren't helping. In fact, they're hurting. And it, it goes on to say time and time again, we've seen that freer markets can best deliver vital goods and services, often in new and once unimaginable ways. We've seen that protected, subsidized, and overregulated markets, by contrast, produce higher prices fewer choices and shortages when problems inevitably arise like that. We literally are seeing that right now. And it's, it's kind of scary, especially as inflation's hurting there. There's other things that could be done, especially when we look at some of these basic needs like food and fuel and rent that literally could help the working class, the middle class, if we could get price reductions on those and, and get the money back into this middle class and, and even lower class, it, it, it's going to help a lot more than, than childcare, in, in my opinion. Yeah, and just the last part of the article is, is, I mean, wraps it all up. It says, American workers can not only survive our disruptive and messy world, but eventually thrive if governments let them. And I, I think in our industry, promoting on entrepreneurship, creativity, building your own business, creating your own income, um, I, I think that it's totally true. We else as Americans need more freedom and less government. Oh yeah, look at look at employees. I mean, the micromanaging aspect it, it never ever works. They need their freedom, they need their creativity. Um and if you're constantly just hovering over them and micromanaging and telling them and and doing their job for them, for that matter, they're they're never going to grow as employees. They're never going to figure it out themselves. You have to give them the tools so that they can learn and grow themselves. So, um I agree. I I think we need to get back to more freedom as workers and less uh less government aid and government support. And although there is a space for that, it needs to be done more strategically because what they're doing right now is not working. Um, So we've got, we've got one more minute here. So to wrap things up, we again want to reiterate your action item plan on attending our free 2023 business plan workshop. Okay. That is a massive, massive action item. There's no better time to create a business plan than right now, figure out exactly what you're going to do heading into 2023 and give yourself the ability to actually hold yourself accountable. That's the key. Do what you say you're going to do. Have that accountability schedule. A business plan is a great way to do that. So again, that workshop is free. 
We want to help you get your business plan developed. We want to help you get your money right. It's December 21st, 8 p.m. Eastern. Again, the Go Figure podcast is every Tuesday and Thursday at 12 o'clock Mountain, 2 o'clock Eastern. Uh, We definitely will get the replay out there. We'd love to have you share your comments, your thoughts, your feedback, and we will absolutely respond. Again, Nate, thanks for joining us today. We, uh, I'm sure we'll have you back on quite a bit. Leo's going to be back to run the show on Thursday. But again, take that action. Be a leader. Be accountable. Get that money right. Go to myfigures.com to learn more. Thank you for joining us on the Go Figure podcast. If you learned something that will help your business or family, take 30 seconds and give us a five-star. If we added value to your day, then share the show with someone who wants to get their money right and be sure to subscribe to the Seven Figures Funding YouTube channel. If you're a business owner and a parent committed to getting your money right for your family, then check out the MyFigures.com money app with a free 30-day trial to manage your money, track your net worth, and build a profit-first business through our fintech platform. God bless, and we'll see you next time on the Go Figure podcast.